are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So we went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me, and when you have, and bring it to me, and then make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on the bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Jenna, great to have you reading for us. Thanks for doing the scripture reading and Coulter earlier. It's really special for us to have you two reading scripture for us on this Sunday when we recognize our graduates. And I have such great memories of last summer when we were together on the London leadership trip. Coulter and Jenna were there, as well as other graduates and students. And I am so glad, I can't tell you how many times I've thought of this, I'm so glad that that international trip was scheduled for last year, last summer, instead of this summer. The class of 2020 has had quite the year. Pandemic, distance learning, and now the events in Minneapolis over these past two weeks that have gained the attention of the world. And these things are still very much in the forefront of our minds, and rightly so. Tomorrow, we look forward to serving in Minneapolis and into the future. We said last week, in the sense of the Great Commission, that if the Y is our Jerusalem and Elk River is our Judea, then Minneapolis must be our Samaria. And so we just are growing in our desire to live out the gospel in new places, both here at home and to the ends of the earth and the places in between. Because the hope of Christ is the hope of the world, the only hope that we have. Last Sunday, we addressed these things in detail with a message from Isaiah 61. 
if you missed that last week and you've been thinking a lot about George Floyd and the violence in Minneapolis, then feel free to go back and catch last week's message. But this Sunday, with these things still very much in our context and on our mind, we begin our new message series called A Double Portion, Elijah and Elisha. Now, I don't know if you know much about these two characters in the Old Testament. I've had it in my notes probably the last couple of years in my prayer journal, just thinking at some point we should study the lives of these two prophets who are unique in that there's not a book of the Bible named after them like so many of the others, but rather it's in the narrative of First and Second Kings that we find their stories, and their stories are absolutely captivating. What I want to do today is to introduce you to Elijah in the first half of the message, and then through this text in First Kings 17, I'd like to show you specifically the things that God cares about, the things that are in his nature to care about. You know, one could well ask the question in 2020, does God even care? Does God care that 400,000 people have now died from this virus? Does God care that people have lost their jobs and businesses have closed? You could ask the question, does God care about George Floyd or those four police officers? Does God care about a burned up city or the elusive ideals of peace and justice? And amidst all those big questions, does God really care about me and my little life and the things that weigh heavy on my heart? I'd like to answer those questions today by showing you four things that God cares deeply about. Even when it feels like life is beyond your control, or maybe you feel like, you know, on God's to-do list, you're just lost in the shuffle. So let's go to 1 Kings 17. I want to show you these four things that God never stops caring about. And before we get there, I'm going to introduce you to this man named Elijah. We get to this chapter of the Bible, 1 Kings 17. And here's what one Old Testament scholar writes. He said, now a prophet bursts onto the scene with a vengeance. And he's exactly right. I mean, we hit 1 Kings 17 and boom, Elijah shows up walks up to the king of Israel and says to him, essentially, King Ahab, I just want you to know, as sure as the Lord lives, that it's not going to rain here for a few years until I say so. You talk about making an entrance. That's Elijah. Now, we're going to get to the rain part of this story next week, the weather forecast, because it's very significant. But for now, let's just know that King Ahab was an evil king He did not follow the Lord, and so God sent Elijah to deliver this word of judgment. God is going to get Ahab's attention, and he's going to use Elijah to do that. Elijah is called one of the most distinctive and diversely talented individuals in the Bible. He's a prophet, preacher, political reformer, and miracle worker. And I love that last one in his resume. You know, you can imagine that somebody asks him, Hey, so what do you do for a living? And Elijah says, "Mm, part-time miracle worker. The conversation just got interesting, right? But Elijah, for as gifted as he was in the mighty ways in which God used him, was not really a popular guy. One writer said his prophetic role constantly placed Elijah in opposition to the majority of the people of his nation. 
And we should understand that. Because if we're following Jesus, then we will often feel that we are swimming against the current of our culture. When our graduates go to so many of our universities, graduates, are you ready to swim against the current? When you punch in at work, those of us in the work field, are you ready to swim against the current? When you speak the name of Jesus in our culture, are you ready to swim against the current? Elijah knew that being faithful to God would put him at odds with the ways of the world, but he followed God anyway. And in doing so, he left a tremendous legacy of faith. And the meaning of his name, I think, is what says it all. Elijah in Hebrew means this. Elijah means literally, my God is Yahweh. Eli, the first half of his name, or Eli, means my God, and Jah, or Yah, is short for Yahweh. Now, I don't know if you've heard this term before, this name, Yahweh, but God actually has a personal name that he gives for the first time in a conversation with Moses back in the book of Exodus. This is the story of the burning bush where God calls to Moses and calls him to go back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses receives this command from the Lord, and then he asks him, Moses says, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they say, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God responds to Moses and says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And that name, I am who I am, has four consonants in Hebrew. Y-H-W-H, which we pronounce Yahweh. And this is the name of God. It appears 6,828 times in the Bible. That is more than three times the number of occurrences of just the generic word for God, which is Elohim. And the Jewish people came to so revere the name of God that they quit saying it out loud for fear of breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. They probably overdid it in this, right? The Bible never prescribed that they needed to stop saying God's name altogether, but that's what they did. And so whenever they would run into the name Yahweh in the Bible, they would say, so it would say Yahweh, but they would speak Adonai, which simply means my Lord. So instead of Yahweh, in many of our English translations, they've retained this practice, and you will see the word Lord in all capital letters. And whenever you see that, you can know that the original text does not say Lord, but it says the personal name of God, Yahweh, I am who I am. And so coming back to Elijah, his name is then a statement of faith. My God is Yahweh, Eliyah, Elijah. It's a statement about the unparalleled authority of the one true God. In a world that was full of all kinds of gods and idols, Elijah's name was a bold declaration of faith. My God is Yahweh. I will place my trust in him. In our passage for today, then, we see that God shows himself again and again to be trustworthy. 
that the character of God is to be trusted because it is good and powerful and exceedingly kind. And this shows up in four ways in our story for today. And as I said, these are four things we see that God cares deeply about. And I want to highlight those for you briefly now in the rest of the message. The first one is this, that God cares for Elijah. God cares for Elijah. And we shouldn't see that as a given. I mean, when Elijah goes to announce the drought on the land where he lives, I mean, that's not good news for Elijah either. He lives there. And he needs food and water just like everybody else to survive. But secondly, it also is not a given because now he has King Ahab who is out to get him. And we'll see that in Elijah's story. And yet God is not going to allow Elijah to slip out of his care. Just before we got to the passage that we started reading today, God first sends Elijah into hiding in the Kareth Ravine. And it's this wonderful and unusual story, also in the beginner's Bible. God says to Elijah, you can drink water from the brook, and I've ordered up some ravens to fly in some food twice a day. That's his message to Elijah. So Elijah would wake up every day and, in a sense, pray the words, give us this day our daily bread. And then on the horizon, here come these ravens, and they would fly in his food drop for the morning and for the evening. But then the brook dried up where he had his drinking water, inexplicably. And I wonder if you've ever wondered if God has stopped caring for you. Like he used to, but then, but then you're wondering, did something change? Because now you're not so sure. Do you think Elijah wondered about that in the Kareth Ravine? Like, hey, God, I, I thought that you brought me here to take care of me. What happened? Where did you go? But we see in the story that God hadn't gone anywhere. He was just working five moves further ahead. You know, God could see the things that Elijah couldn't see. Elijah just knew that his water got shut off and he was in trouble. And all the while, God was preparing to care for Elijah in a more amazing way than the first. Some of you might feel like the brook has dried up. And what used to be for certain and come easy has come undone. You're caught, in a sense, between two places. The way things used to be and the way that God will provide for you in the future. And that in-between place can be a place of great testing of your faith. It's not easy to wait. It's not easy to be in that place where you don't know what will come next. But I want to assure you this morning through this story that God has not left you and that he has and always will provide for you like he did for Elijah, his servant. And that brings us to number two. The second thing that God cares about, we see in the text, is that God cares for the outsider. God cares for the outsider. When the brook dried up, you know, God wasn't caught off guard, nor had he left Elijah alone to fend for himself. But in time, he said to Elijah, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. You see, God isn't going to stop in this story at just caring for Elijah. But there is a whole city that needs to hear this testimony that there is a God named Yahweh. And so God sends Elijah to Zarephath. 
Now, to you and me, that name probably doesn't mean a whole lot. Though I have to admit I'm a little partial to names that start with Z because we live up in Zimmerman. And when you think about it, there's just not that many town names in Minnesota or probably anywhere that start with the letter Z. I checked online just to see how many there were, and it listed four. There's Zumbrota and Zumbro Falls, which are down north of Rochester. And then there's Zimmerman. And then the last one is Zempel, Minnesota. Have you heard of Zempel? It is this bustling metropolis of 93 people up in Itasca County. So how about Zarephath? Let me show you why I think this town is so important. Elijah is hiding in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan River. And God now sends him for the next phase of this to Zarephath on the Mediterranean coast. Now you look at this and you think, surely God could have found someplace a little closer where he could have provided for Elijah. But no, he sends him on a hundred mile walk to Zarephath. And the reason this is so significant is because Zarephath is a Gentile city. That means it is not Jewish. This is not a place in Israel where people know about Yahweh. Zarephath, rather, was in Phoenicia, a good ways outside of Israel. But God wants to bring his name to the outsider. You see, God has this way of using specific people and places to bring his news to the whole world. In the Old Testament, that happens through the nation of Israel. They are God's chosen people, but they are chosen for a mission to the outsider, to be a light to the Gentiles so that God's salvation would reach the ends of the earth. Then we get to the New Testament era, which, by the way, includes us today, and that mission is now being carried out through God's people called the church. And we said last week that the church is the multi-ethnic global family of God in Christ. And so we start to see the heart of God here, that he longs to bring people from the outside into his family, to hear the good news of forgiveness in Christ, to have new life in him, and to then live for the glory of his name. So if he needs to send Elijah a hundred miles away to Zarephath to do that, then that is exactly what he's going to do, because God cares for the outsider. And as a church, we're learning new ways to travel a little farther from home and to care for the outsider these days. So tomorrow we'll have this chance to be in Minneapolis, in a part of the city that probably most of us have never seen, with a people group that doesn't look like most of us. Race and racism are a big conversation right now, but here's what we have to remember. God is five steps ahead of us on this. We just need to follow his lead because these are topics that he has spoken about and set right in his word for thousands of years. We miss that sometimes because as we're reading our Bibles, the names are different, but let me just list a few stories where race plays a leading role. Jonah and the whale the woman at the well, the Good Samaritan, the Great Commission, Pentecost, the Ethiopian eunuch, Cornelius the Centurion, all these and more are stories where the context and some of the major application is about race. God delights in the variety of colors and cultures that he created, and he calls all of them to himself in Christ. Paul says in Colossians, here there is no Gentile or Jew, 
circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. The Bible is crystal clear about these things, so that just like our abolitionist forefathers, the church should be prepared to lead the way and show the world how it's done. So tomorrow we have that opportunity. We'll be there to serve and to provide a meal and to be a blessing to the nations, to be a light to those who might be far off. Because we must remember, we were outsiders too once, but Jesus invited us in. As we move along in the story, then Elijah gets to Zarephath, and we get to number three, where we see that God cares for the widow and orphan. God cares for the widow and orphan. Isn't it interesting that God chooses to care for Elijah through a widow on the brink of starvation? I mean, isn't that just something that God would do as we know his character and how he works? He sees Elijah, but he also sees her. She's not from Israel. She doesn't know the name of Yahweh yet, but he sees her, a dying widow, and brings Elijah all the way to Zarephath. And then God not only provides for her, but he does so in a way where she will learn to trust him. She will learn about the character of God. When Elijah arrives, she says, you know, he asks for food and a drink, and she says, I don't have any bread. I have a handful of flour, a little oil in the jar, and I'm gathering a few sticks for my son and I to make a small fire for our meal, and then we are going to wait to die. I mean, it is just utter despair for this widow and her son. And what does God then invite her to do? He says through Elijah, basically, go home and make that meal, but first make a meal for Elijah and then make the meal for you and your son. For I tell you, your flour and oil will not run out on you. Do you see the step of faith that's there? That she's going to feed Elijah first use up whatever is left. And God is saying to her, then you will see that with me, you will always have enough. And verse 15 says, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. God cares for the outsider and he cares for who the Bible calls the least of these. And if you're ever wondering, you know, Where could I start? How can I serve the Lord today? It is always a safe bet to care for widows and orphans. We don't have time to share all the significant Bible verses around this, but let me just share one for us, and that's James 1.27. It says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is exactly why we partner with Real Hope. This is why we sponsor kids in Rogie Village. This is why our students serve at Guardian Angels. And it's why we do Rake the Town, because God's grace is allowing our hearts to be shaped in a way that imitates His. And His heart is so clearly for widows and orphans, so clearly for the forgotten, the lonely, and the least of these. And so may it be the same for us. And that brings us then finally to number four. And that is number four, that God cares to keep his word. God cares to keep his word. 
God cares for this widow so much that she's the recipient not just of one miracle, but two. The first instance is that her flour and oil never run out, but the second in the story is when her son gets sick and dies and yet is raised back to life. And both times, in both of these miracles, it is noted that God has kept his word. The first time it says, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord. And then the second time, it's the widow herself upon receiving her son back from the dead. And she says, now I know that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. God cares to keep his word. You can hold him to his promises. And so this is what I want to tell you to close. That if God cares for Elijah and cares for the outsider, and if God cares for widows and orphans, and if he cares to keep his word, which he does, then you can know that he will care for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? For he cares for you. And so we see that this is not just a story about Elijah or a widow and her son. This is also a story about you. And God desires to speak to you today through his word. And he wants to bring you to a place where you can say, my God is Yahweh. And I know that he will care for me. 2020 has been as uncertain as ever. But I just want to ask you today on second thought, is it really uncertain? Or is God just five steps ahead of you, preparing to care for you in a more amazing way than the first? I believe he is. And so my brothers and sisters, remain faithful. Be steadfast. Because God will never let you down. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord God, thank you for caring for us so much that you went to the cross. And you have forgiven all of our sin. Everything, Lord, that would separate us from you. We thank you that you are big enough and strong enough to care for the whole world and to even care for me. Thank you, Lord, that in these days of testing and waiting, that we can trust that you'll help each of us to say, my God is Yahweh, and I will trust in him. For it's in your name, Lord, that we pray. Amen. And now would you join me in these words, the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.